Hey guys, this is Bailey Friday. Just a heads up, this episode does contain discussion of gun violence and some content that may be triggering for listeners. The suspect made entry into the school, and as soon as he made entry into the school, he started shooting children, teachers, whoever was in his way, he was shooting everybody. May 24th, 2022. A spokesperson for the Texas Department of Public Safety explaining how an 18-year-old walked into Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, and fatally shot 19 students and two teachers. I'm telling you, it is a very somber thought knowing that those children are having to go into classrooms, not in the same building, but without friends, without cousins, without brothers and sisters. As we approach the one-year anniversary of that horrific day, lawmakers in Austin have proposed various solutions, from school safety measures to gun-related legislation. But it's not clear if the bills on the table would have even stopped the gunmen. We can point at the incident and say law enforcement failures, and that would definitely stick and apply. That's that's unequivocal at this point. I think we've established that there have been myriad law enforcement failures on that particular day. But we had decades of failures, specifically in regards to that individual uh, up until there. We're here to do things that make sense. And we're here to do things that are about making sense to our communities. And we've always been very consistent in that space. The Uvalde families have already been very consistent in that space, and we're going to keep working to that end. And we need to be very mindful because it very well could happen at any moment, at any time, at any of the campuses anywhere in our our great state of Texas. I'm Bailey Friday, and Texas wants to know, in the years since Uvalde, what changes has the legislature made to address school safety? Uvalde is about 80 miles west of San Antonio, and it's about twice that far from the state capitol in Austin, where the 88th Texas Legislative Session comes to an end May 29th. There may not be a lawmaker who's been more vocal about getting something done on school safety than Senator Roland Gutierrez, whose district includes Uvalde. We've been pushing a lot of different measures, not just gun safety solutions, but a lot of school safety solutions. Our school safety bill had about $2.1 billion in relief. The Senate cumulative was about $800 million. That was their response. The House is at $1.6 billion. So the House is obviously closer to my number. My general feeling's positive. I think that the legislature has tackled a lot of the identifiable problems. Now, I know not everyone's going to agree with that. I know there's going to be a lot of individuals out there who thinks that, say, firearm regulation or the way we punish kids is going to be the way that we solve this problem. At best, that's an attenuated connection, if at all. Derek Cohen is the vice president of policy at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, a conservative think tank. What we've seen as the major legislation, SB 11, HB 3, Uh, and others uh, that are being considered are are spending money on the problem, but they're spending it in a very judicious way. They're not just throwing money at a problem and hope it actually ameliorates itself. What they're doing is identifying these pathways and identifying different ways of actually getting those boxes checked. All right, let's go over some of the legislation that's been filed in an attempt to address school safety. We'll start with Senate Bill 11. 
It would create a safety and security department in the Texas Education Agency that would keep a closer eye on school districts' active shooter plans. It passed the Senate in mid-April, was then referred to the House Public Education Committee. As of May 16th, it had not reached the House floor. Well, I mean, we already have a school safety commission, right? And in practice, what this does is it creates more auditing of individual schools. In practice, it sounds great, but again, it's about resources and making sure that TA inspectors are going in and auditing these schools effectively year after year. Some of the requirements in that bill allow TEA to do a written auditing. In other words, there's no actual inspection. That's a real concern for me. We've got to throw everything at this. We've got to make sure that our kids are safe, number one, that parents feel that their kids are going to be safe and don't have that stress that we've all had since May 24th and beyond. Meanwhile, earlier this month, both chambers passed bills that would require panic buttons in every classroom in Texas. Now they're just waiting for Abbott's signature. I believe one of the first bills that arrived on the governor's desk was the panic button bill. I don't believe it was the first, but I believe it was amongst the first. And in doing so, I think that that really underscores, okay, here's something that we can at least agree that whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you're conservative, liberal, progressive, uh, somewhere in between, we can all agree that getting assistance to a student in crisis or a classroom in crisis, however defined, is something that we can all agree on. It's important that when we do this, we look at one-time expenditures that are going to secure our schools, make sure that we have the windows and the doors and the adequate systems in place. And that's what we've been trying to do. So I'm, I'm very glad that the House has, has put a little bit more money into this effort. It's their one-time expenses mostly. And we're going to keep moving forward. Some of the most polarizing of the bills are House Bills 3 and 13. HB 3 would require an armed security officer on all Texas campuses. HB 13 would offer up to a $25,000 stipend for a public school employee who carries a firearm on campus. Neither had been voted on in the Senate as of this recording. The authors of Senate Bill 11, House Bill 3, and House Bill 13, Republicans Robert Nichols, Dustin Burroughs, and Ken King, all declined to be interviewed for this podcast, though Burroughs' team sent us a written statement on HB3, which said in part, While the resulting bill is neither perfect nor totally complete, these collaborative, accountability-driven efforts can drive the sort of team approach that is vital to turning the tide of senseless violence. At the end of the day, teachers, students, and their families deserve safe classrooms. And school administrators need the support of the state and cooperation of law enforcement to make those safe classrooms a reality. Cohen says one of the reasons bills were written to incentivize district employees to carry weapons was to benefit more rural parts of the state. Not every place has somebody that meets those particular requirements. So that's why it also has a flexibility of an expansion of, say, and I don't believe this was spoken completely within HB3, but uh, some of the other bills uh, that have gone through on school uh, safety on expanding what we now have as the uh, school guardian or school marshal program. And I think that just having that permissory structure, it'd be a better way of doing it than mandating that they you know they have outside security when that outside security may not exist in every jurisdiction that needs security. Gutierrez reiterated that he is willing to try anything to improve school safety, but there is one thing he wishes the legislature could accomplish. We've got to find ways to where we come up with solutions for sure, and those solutions have to be bipartisan. 
But under no certain terms should we avoid talking about guns. And I'm not going to talk, stop talking about guns. We have, let's see, 76% of Republicans have been polled very recently saying they want common sense gun safety solutions, raising the age limit, extreme risk protective orders, closing the gun show loophole. We've got to be able to do those types of things. Gutierrez is referencing a poll released May 3rd by the Texas Politics Project at UT Austin. It found 76% of all respondents were in favor of raising the legal age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. That included 64% of Republicans. Rena Honey is the president of Alliance AFT, the Dallas affiliate of the American Federation of Teachers. She says funding is always a concern when it comes to school safety measures. Are they going to put enough money into it to allow districts to be able to implement the things effectively? While they look great on paper so many times, the implementation becomes the issue and it doesn't work like what they expect or what they envision. Senator Gutierrez, one of those bills would allow the security officer requirement to be fulfilled by a teacher who carries a gun. Will that be an effective solution? I think 77% of teachers have already said they don't want to carry guns. They don't want to be required to carry guns. You know, my fear is we've seen what's happened when teachers bring guns into schools across the state. We saw a young child access a teacher's gun in another state. We've got to be very cognizant of what's going on. We can do a lot of things, and I'm in favor of most of them, that are going to skirt around the edges. But if we're not going to talk about limiting access to guns to young people, limiting access to guns to mentally ill people, uh, limiting access to guns at the gun show, you know, then what are we really talking about? A June 2022 survey conducted by the Texas American Federation of Teachers found that 77% of school employees did not want to be armed on campus. Their own poll that they cite highlight that a quarter of their membership do want to do that. And so if a quarter of their membership do want to do that, simply squashing that is not going to be uh, a very prudent response. Adding more people onto campuses with guns most of our educators are not in favor of that at all. I know one of the bills introduced has a $25,000 stipend added to it. I don't think they'll get a lot of takers. They'll get a few because people are trying to make ends meet for their families and the salaries are low in the education world in Texas already. That study also found that 90% were worried about a shooting at their school. So fear is a major factor for our educators. Are they willing to put their life on the line for someone else's child? Most of them, yes, they are. But then they have to consider, what does that do for my family, for my own children, for my husband, my siblings? Honey says for her, it comes down to how much educators are being asked to do. Do they want the teachers to be able to be educators and teach the kids what they need to be successful? Or do they want them to be security guards, which is it? And they're asking them to do both. Now, I will say it's a bit of a false dichotomy to say, you know, it's a two hat roll. Are you the school security guard or are you the teacher? It's a false dichotomy because 99.999% of this for those that do would have to engage in that 
and uh, 100% of the days for everyone who don't, and that would be most of the teachers in the state, you know, you would be that teacher first and foremost, just you would have the ability and the resources if called into action to respond in such a crisis situation. Having the personnel, the trained personnel, I believe, to be able to do that job, they're trying to put those responsibilities onto people that are managing two and three plates, spinning them because the overload is just almost unbearable. And we know that because so many people are leaving the profession. They feel like they are so disrespected. There's not a a respect for what they do, for the time that it takes, for the requirements that are issued out. Now, I will say, should every teacher have the training and carry weapon? Absolutely not. You know, I've I'm sure back when you went to school and certainly when I went to school, you know, I had teachers who, you know, could barely see, you know, six feet in front of their faces and were definitely uh, kind of uh, approaching retirement, we'll say. That would not be a good candidate for this particular program. However, a gym teacher, a fresh teacher uh, recently uh, out of college or recently having finished their practicum, these are the kind of folks that you you would want. And especially if a quarter of these individuals want to be able to do that. Just this spring, there were shootings outside of schools in North Texas. In mid-March, a 16-year-old was fatally shot outside Lamar High School in Arlington. The very next day, less than 24 hours had passed, another student was injured when he was shot in the parking lot at Thomas Jefferson High School in Dallas. I think it's just like anything else. If somebody wants it bad enough, they're going to find a way to get it. But we have to have people that are willing to step up and help provide safety, provide training. And our homes, parents need to talk to their students about the issues, about consequences of choices like that. Are there any other school safety measures you think could cross party lines? I think that, you know, what we're doing on school safety is is monumental. We did $110 million in 2019 after Santa Fe in response to the Santa Fe shooting. I think that what we're doing now, 800, 1.6 billion, and we'll find some number there. I asked for there to be some money for counseling services so that we can train teachers and counselors to identify kids that might be a little bit more in trouble, that might have some issues. If we're not proactively finding out those mental health triggers that are happening with our kids, if we're not proactively trying to make access to guns more difficult with young people, I mean, then what are we doing? How do you think serving on the special committee in Uvalde last summer impacted some of your Senate colleagues? I think it's pretty clear that the senators and that committee or any other, you know, look, the Republicans are playing lip service to this issue. Let's be very clear. Yeah, we're getting a whole bunch of money for our schools. It isn't enough. Until you do something to curb access to guns, it absolutely isn't enough. And so we've got too many guns in the hands of young people. And it's just, it's just, it's time to stop. It's time to say time out. They don't want to have that, that conversation. If they don't want to have it, that's on them. And the next election cycle is on them. I believe that the Democrat lawmakers, many of which, many of whom uh, I know personally, but also vehemently disagree on this particular issue, I think their heart's in the right place. I don't think it's this callous, cynical 
you know, the, the people in the red shirt like guns. So us in the blue shirts have to hate guns. I, I don't think it's that simple. I think that they genuinely arrive to these policy proposals, which again, which I don't agree with, but I think they do so honestly. Now, what I would say to that though, is, is very similar to what we've been saying is that, you know, what we usually see is that all the calls that when a tragedy happens, all look the same. For example, the bill that just got voted out the other day of the House committee, but is already functionally dead, you know, would have raised that age to purchase certain uh, certain rifles, those are the detachable magazine, to 21 years of age. And given that meets the criteria that we actually saw in Uvalde, the calls were renewed after the Allen uh, incident, as horrible as that was, but that was a 33-year-old guy. Aside from school safety, one of the other glaring missteps in the Uvalde shooting was the response of law enforcement, which waited outside the classroom for 77 minutes. Cohen says he'd like to see district-run police departments phased out in favor of other law enforcement presence. One of the things that we probably should do is really take a tough look at actually having law enforcement in schools. When I say that, I don't necessarily mean police officers in schools. I actually support police officers in schools, but having law enforcement actually run by the districts. And the reason that is, is because we get into this issue of interoperability. You know, Uvalde made this crystal clear that if you have a crisis response headed up by an organization, that crisis response isn't even a part of the portfolio outside of uh, what little mandatory training that they would have for that particular application, then it just it just never gets done and there's no specialty in there. And not only that, but it's a dime holding up a dollar insofar as you don't actually have them facilitating the response of the people that are trained in that. As the one-year anniversary of the Uvalde shooting nears, Gutierrez says he will be in the legislature in the morning and back in his district that night. There will be a resolution for those kids as there was in the House, for those teachers as there was in the House. There is not a whole lot of honor in this if you didn't do anything to save, to prevent this from happening again. And so while I appreciate the Lieutenant Governor saying, yes, we're gonna have a resolution for these kids, we didn't do a damn thing to honor these kids. A piece of paper is nothing. The only piece of paper that these parents wanted was a bill with a solution to keep guns out of the hands of 18, 19, and 20 year olds. That was it. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. And the governor and the lieutenant governor couldn't do that. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thanks for joining me for Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was written and produced by Savannah Jones and Chris Blake, with editorial support from Cooper Mall, and original music by Michael Eisenstein. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.